unforgettable Though near or far It's a matter of time, I suppose. This is Watchmen Minute, where we're discussing the movie Watchmen by Zack Snyder, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash. And I'm Travis Bowe. So we're looking at uh, the minute that's uh, minute number two that starts with uh, President Nixon talking about war and ends with Eleanor Clift talking about war. A whole war talking minute. <laughs> These guys are crazy for it. So, yeah, we ended last minute with Nixon talking about, it turns out, strength. Strength yeah. in order to maintain peace. It, it sounds very presidential to talk about strength and, and unity and that kind of stuff for giving a, a, a speech like this, but in a way it also sounds a little arrogant and it may just be because of the president that we are seeing, but you know, it's sort of like saying we're big and tough or we're too big and tough to be taken down. So you have no choice, but to be peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I started looking around into like other speeches Nixon had given um, specifically about strength and found from, from his time as Eisenhower's vice president, he was giving a speech in, I think it was Iowa. It says, as far as we're concerned, we want military strength, not because we want it to use against anybody else, but because we realize that if we, who want nothing from anyone else in the world, have strength, the greatest in the world, that this is a guarantee of peace. Because it means that those who threaten the peace, those who have said over and over again that they intend to conquer the world by other means, if possible, but by war if necessary. It means that we as a peace-loving people with our tremendous strength are the guardians of peace for all the world. Hmm. Kind of fits with this um, notion of, you know, using strength to maintain peace. And I like the term that, that, that he used there, guardians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, cuts, it cuts from Nixon back to McLaughlin talking again. Yeah. Um, and, and during him talking, I believe, is when we see the doomsday clock. It is the ominous doomsday clock. Which at the time of uh, this release of this <laughs> podcast, uh, I've only read the ash can so far of the new DC comic uh, written by Jeff Johns. But it should be a few, a few issues in by the time this is released. And uh, it's a merging of the Watchmen universe. Uh, which isn't really that big. It's it's gotten bigger recently with the uh, Before the Watchmen books that came out just a couple few years ago. But it's going to get a lot bigger in a sense, seems like, with the merging with the uh, DC multiverse. For sure, yeah. It'll be interesting, yeah, once this episode, you know, once we're releasing, yeah, they'll be, I guess that'll have been started, so it'll be. Yeah. So I've got a little bit of info on the actual Doomsday Clock. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Um, so the Doomsday Clock, which I did not realize, is a real mm-hmm. uh, symbol, which represents the likelihood of man-made global catastrophe. It's been maintained since 1947 by the members of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, Science and Security Board, which obviously, obviously the clock represents an analogy for the threat of global nuclear war. And as of January 2017, the clock is set at two and a half minutes to midnight, pretty much due to President Trump's comments over new, uh, North Korea, Russia, and nuclear weapons. So it's the cl- the second closest approach to midnight since its introduction. Yep, and uh, and and a fair a, a fair amount closer than what we're seeing in this book. Yeah, <laughs> the, book, so, the book and the movie. Yeah, 
Yeah. So kind of lets you, lets us know where we're at. And in today's doomsday clock, it's it also includes um, like global warming. In mm. that, uh, it's not just global nuclear war. It's also some other man made threats to the planet. Essentially. Yeah. Didn't really. Re- I thought it. I guess I, I guess I just thought it was something that they came up with for the book. So interesting to see that it's a it's a real real thing. And um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, that that's when um, uh, McLaughlin is talking again. We already went over him last minute, uh, the actor wise, but then we uh, get to uh, he shoots shoots over in his trademark style to uh, Pat <laughs> Buchanan. Yeah, it was very very, and it was it was even it was you know, it was parodied uh, on SNL okay. back in the nineties yeah. uh, with uh, Dana Carvey playing. Yeah, yeah. The McLaughlin role. Yeah, and I had but, no idea that this that he was a real guy, real. Yeah. I thought he was just a character for the movie. All three of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I watched some YouTube clips of the real John McLaughlin, and mm-hmm. it's a pretty damn good portrayal, I think. I mean, he uses that a lot of these McLaughlinisms yeah. that, that are actual. So, and and I kind of found um, so I mentioned Buchanan, Pat Buchanan, and that's yeah. played by Jane Dunn Connor, but then uh, Eleanor Clift. Um, look wise, I think they kind of got closest with her, just just the makeup and all. Sure. Uh, but then the, uh, I don't know about the actual voice vocal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Attempt. And, and she she is the least. <laughs> she she has so few credits. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like three movies. Um, yeah, you know, three, three, yeah, three things. Kind of spread out, like nothing I recognize. Yeah, right. Too. So. Yeah. So these easy, you know, whenever you come across those, it's it's almost like, well, maybe they do a lot of commercials or theater or both. Maybe. Mm, yeah. It's kind of what goes through my mind. Now the other guy though, James M. Connor, he was, he, you know, uh, similarly. I mean, X Files came up again. You know, some other some other comedy TV shows, though, too. Yeah. And, uh, like, his first role, though, was uh, a, a sci-fi thing, Future World, the, the first sequel to Westworld. Yeah. So that was interesting. That was kind of a bit of a... I, I kind of remember my parents telling me that I kind of liked Westworld. <laughs> I think probably the TV <laughs> show that came out after the okay the franchise of yeah. movies. Yeah, the James Conner, he's... Out of the, the three of these people, he's the most recognizable to me. Like I've oh. even even down to like commercials. Like I've seen this guy's <laughs> face in commercials, and I guess he was even recently in Kong Skull Island. Like just one of the generals in there. So mm-hmm. still still working, still getting it done. Yeah, going back to uh, McLaughlin, like some of the YouTube clips that I was watching of him, he literally says on a scale of zero to ten, zero meaning impossible. Impossibility, ten meaning complete metaphysical certitude, and then he would, you know, go on to his question. But that's like a, a reoccurring thing that he would always say. Yeah, that's for sure. Like no frame of reference for this guy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, these little little kind of almost gimmicky or, yeah. or trade trademark kind of styles of uh, putting the questions to his uh, his his panel, and there are actually usually there are usually two more additional people. On each side, further out. Two on each side. Yeah, they, the... they scaled it back for this. Makes sense. Hmm. So I like that they bring up Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. But then right. we still, there's no indication really as to who this person is. But then obviously they're talking about his existence guaranteeing world peace. So that kind of furthers that, like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Questions for later. And it kind of struck me, like, watching this opening that, like, A, like, McLaughlin group isn't in the book at all. And I, mm-hmm. for 
for some reason, I think I built it up in my head that they were like sprinkled throughout the book or some of the stuff that they're talking about. It's like it's pulled from other sources in the book, the talk of nuclear war and, and this and that. And I just think I always remember them being in the book, probably because I'm in my head mixing them up with the talking head TV personalities yeah, right. from the Spawn comics. Oh, from Spawn. Okay. Because those I had thought, like yeah. those early comics always had like these three uh, TV personalities, you know, in a lot of those issues. So I, I think I just pictured those and like the uh, Dark Knight Returns kind of does a similar thing. They'll have newscasters and, and various people like that spread throughout the book just just for that exposition. So yeah, like right. when I see these three characters, it, you know, represented right here in, in these few minutes, like it, it doesn't occur to me that, oh, they might not be from the book. You know, I just kind of but but no, I, from what I can remember from like what I've kind of read through the last, you know, couple of weeks, like there's I don't think they're they're in here at all. So. Well, well, in the book and in this movie, and I mean, and I'll, I'll go into the couple others. I'm well. You you went into the ones Spawn, but in the book and in this movie, there are certainly the talking heads throughout. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there, there's you know, I mean, it's just, just ridic- ridiculous looking at the IMDb. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, foreign news anchor, foreign news anchor. Oh foreign, man. You know, it's like, um, but but then um, additionally, the other one that I really think of a lot is um, um, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, uh, by Frank Miller. And his use of the uh, talking heads there. Hmm. So that was just, I think it was just a huge thing at the time. I mean, and we're not talking about the music group either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're talking about Wh- what, which what, is they, great. what they named themselves after. <laughs> yeah. The talking heads, you know, that were on TV. The heads that just sat there on your TV box talking at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually. Hmm. Who's going to take on the talking heads alpha B? Beta- <laughs> yes. I don't know what you'd call uh, it, but talking Headsicle? I don't. I don't know. So that's for them to come up with. But yeah, and I don't even think Nixon is really represented much in the book. They they reference him a little bit, but I don't think we ever get a scene with Nixon. Mm, like, yeah, I don't think he's like rendered in the book. I should say so. I mean, just just barely. Okay, I know. I was just reading part of it today. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and a little bit older looking too, even. You know, and that, that's that's a whole other part of this is that, yeah, you know, again, yeah. this is an alternate reality. This is where Nixon is like in his fourth term. It's it's the 80s, you know. Yeah. He, you know, his, his, his previous timeline in our world, uh, apparently maybe that's accurate that he first got elected in 68 and got a first re- re-election in 72, maybe. But so this is like, I mean, this is more than four terms. This is like yeah. six terms. I think it's, to, I to get want to say it's five. Yeah. As far as the you know Eddie goes, like he's not really represented too much in this minute. It may just go from Nixon to then cutting over to the TV studio, and then I think we stay with those with those people. So yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of these other shots of if it's not ju- it's not just what he, Eddie would see on the screen. It's it's shots from inside the studio in a sense. It seems like there, there's there's shots of the cameras yeah. that are inside the studio. They're not. The cameramen are kind of cut out a little bit on each side at one point, at least um, I remember seeing. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different uh, take on things, I think. Way, way to do th- way to do things that, that this is a a program that that was being live, maybe. I, not, and I didn't I don't know that it was live. 
Yeah, it's a weird but mechanic. It almost, it, almost, yeah. it almost makes it seem like it's live. Right, because they're cutting from what they're talking yeah, about right. Nixon to actually they cut to actual Nixon like delivering that address. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's kind of an odd way to show the two, you know, mm-hmm. to show the, them talking about him and them showing Nixon. So it's – I like it. It transitions well, so – Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, when, when you're watching it normally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No issue whatsoever. It doesn't it's stand all, it's, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as minutes go, this one's kind of a light minute for me. Um, don't have too much else to say about it. Yeah. I think that'll do it for minute two. If you want to join the conversation, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Watchman Minute. You can visit our webpage over at realpodcastnetwork.com/watchmanminute. And at facebook.com/watchmanminute. That's our page. Please go ahead and like that. And also on Facebook is our group, the Crime Busters Listeners Society. So please uh, join that. We can have some good discussions there, I think. I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Yeah. So Tell us what you think. Please do. Start some, start some fun discussions. There's no, no, uh, no shortage of information to pull from for this, this movie, this, this book. So plenty of content will be over there, I'm sure. But uh, I think we will say goodbye for now and talk to you tomorrow on Watchmen Minute. I've been Travis Bow, And I was Eric Nash. Who watches the Watchmen? We do. Watchmen are over. Like a song of love that clings to me